Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Neil Fox, your future president of the United States of America, uh, officially registered with the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission. Yes. Which, just to be clear, that means that we are just as much a candidate as Obama was in 2007 or Trump was in 2015 or Biden was in 2019. Correct. Uh, we are greatly looking forward to meeting all of you on the campaign trail. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing some events in Florida, so the listeners from uh, from no, our the listeners from our home state where we broadcast our radio show will be able to see us at several different events that we have planned. Uh, we also have a huge announcement. We're going to be at the uh, St. Louis Arch coming up very soon. Uh, make sure to check our new website for the information about that. The campaign website is fox2028.com. Yes, it should be a lot of fun. Yes. So here's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Okay. To you, what is the biggest change that you would like to see? Uh, you know, the people will want to know why should they vote for us versus other people? What is the biggest change that you would like to see? Oh, well, the biggest change is just this mentality of these large corporations holding all the power, all the wealth hostage mm. with little to no accountability. I would like to see that changed. I agree. I, I think that a constitutional amendment is needed to get money out of politics. Um, oh. There is an organization that we are currently working with, uh, developing a relationship with them. Uh, it's called Move to Amend, and it is a group that is pushing for an amendment to the Constitution to completely overturn the Supreme Court decision that basically gave corporations unlimited spending power as far as politics is concerned. Yeah, that really needs to end. Yeah. It, it, it really, it really, really does need to just end this insanity. Just unlimited spending power? Well, if money is free speech, like the Supreme Court said, which seems silly to me, but if money is free speech, then that means that if you have more money, you have more speech? That yeah. doesn't make any sense. Sounds to me like some of those Supreme Court justices were probably paid off. Now, the Supreme Court is supposed to be a nonpartisan institution. It's supposed to be interpreting the law without a bias. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, over the past decade in particular, uh, the nominations from the, uh, whenever somebody leaves the court, the nominations have become more and more and more politically motivated. And yes. We have jurors, you know, people on the, uh, not jurors, I'm sorry. Uh, we have uh, jurists, I'm sorry, is the word I was trying to think of. Yep. We have jurists on the Supreme Court who are making more radical decisions than courts in the past. I mean, overturning Roe v. Wade, big yep. thing. No one thought they would overturn Roe v. Wade, but apparently it's now unconstitutional, therefore the states need to, therefore the states are allowed to get put their input in, and the vast majority of the states are divided. Right. 
Yeah, it's roughly 50-50. Yes. And to the people from those states, many of which being southern states, many of them having uh, higher than average teen pregnancy rates because of um, abstinence-only education laws. Yes, uh, abstinence-only. Uh, my personal views are on that is teach the children what it is. Teach the children about it. Mm-hmm. Education is power and education is knowledge. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why we can't educate people on these very, quite frankly, serious topics. Absolutely. It's not about left versus right. It's not about yes versus no. It's about making good decisions for yourself and your children. Mm-hmm. What everyone wants in this country, everyone wants freedom. Everyone wants the American dream. Yes. The American dream to me is, uh, you know, how I define it, at the very least. You know, some people have different definitions, which is fine. But how I define it is a good job. Yep. A safe retirement. Yep. Security in whatever place that you live. So, you know, not people going around committing all kinds of crime in your area, that I kind mean, of thing. You don't want people breaking into your house every other day. Uh, no, Indianapolis, I do not. Uh, no, there's a story for another. Uh, tell, tell it, tell it, why not? We don't have time to get involved. <laughs> That's fair, we'll have we to do that in a different day. We'll have to dedicate the entire podcast to it. Right. Well, and, uh, here's, here's, uh, here's something that's important to me. Yeah. Getting the country to the point where we have the same kind of opportunity to achieve the American dream that we had in our parents and especially our grandparents' time. Well, what made our grandparents' and parents' time easier was simply there was more money going around, there was more opportunities going around, inflation didn't hit three, three million percent. Right. The capabilities of individuals, there was a bigger need for this independence mm-hmm. from the household, independence of self. We don't see that in this generation. Everyone's sit, sitting around till they're 45, it seems. Right. There is a problem of motivation yeah. among some people. Uh, some people, uh, and, you know, I, I don't blame them. It's a lot of people that we've met of, you know, they've... Oh, yeah. Maybe they have been working really hard at their job and then their car breaks down and now, you know, oh, well, you know, I was doing okay. I had some money in the bank and now it's gone. Like, exactly. It's so demoralizing. Or others. And not having a good time, not being able to cooperate with their parents. They're 17, 18 and their parents don't agree with their lifestyle. Therefore, their parents have disowned them. Right. Uh, people who are LGBT, people who are trans, and uh, people who are just in general disadvantaged, so just people at the very lower end of the economic spectrum, are much more likely, much more likely to be homeless, much more likely to commit suicide, and much more likely to be forced into, and when I say forced, I use that term very specifically because for these people, it is not a choice in my opinion forced 
to have to do things like sell drugs or become um, a sex worker, for example, just to get by. Yeah. You know, if, if the choice is between breaking the law and surviving to the next day, I don't know. It's a tough choice, obviously, but yeah, most people that I know would say, well, my personal survival is more important. You know, the survival of my kids is more important. You know, the vast majority of people that I've heard that committed, you know, small crimes. Yeah. Getting crimes, crimes that we can all agree are not egregious. Exactly. Um, Getting by is the better word because when I first started at 17, 18, I was working, I worked at a restaurant. Sure. Most restaurants are cash only businesses mm-hmm. to their employees. Oh, okay. Uh, most, most Asian restaurants generally pay people under the table. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's not talked about. Everyone knows it. Right. Well, I mean, everyone knows it and it slides underneath, it slides under because it's not hurting anything in the grand scheme of things. And it's up to the employee to, you know, make a tax return or whatever. But it's your first job. It's not supposed to be the most detrimental thing in your life. Well, I, that, that's, okay. To all those graduating high school and graduating college, the vast majority of you have a over expectation of what the expectation is for you when you just get out. Right. Your parents hyped up. Oh, when you get out, you'll have this lovely job here. You'll be able to work your dream job the moment you get out of college. <laughs> sure. I'm going to tell this to you to Americans. Mm-hmm. American citizens, children, just getting out of high school. Live with your parents till you're 20. Live with your parents for a few years. Work a job. Live with your parents, and then move out of the house. If I because were- the family unit, the reason why parents allow their kids to live with them past the age of high school or college is because you're an asset to the household. Still, sure. If you're not an asset to the household. Yeah, your parents don't want you there, and they want you to move out. (laughs) That's what it is. Either you're an asset to the household, or you're a detriment to the household. Well, see, the thing is, is that um, the fact is that it has changed in terms of the economic incentives. Yes. So in years past, so, you know, in, again, parents and grandparents' generation, when you can go out and get a job that... You know, in today's dollars, paid you know twenty, thirty, forty dollars an hour, adjusted for inflation. Yeah, uh, when you had the ability to do that, it was much easier to move out. It was. That's Granted, true. I didn't get a job making forty bucks an hour until I was almost twenty-five. Right. Twenty-six. Right. And the fact that you know somebody working in a mail room back yep. in the day, a very common profession for somebody just getting out of college in the fifties, sixties, etc. Yes, sir. Uh, the fact that those paid minimum wage, but the equivalent today would be uh, adjusted for both inflation and productivity, would be yeah. $49 an hour. Yes. The fact is, I know a lot of people who would move out of their parents' house if they were making $49 an hour or anywhere near it. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing. We, here in our, our economic situation, mm-hmm. Not until almost 30 where we can 
we're making good money, really good money now, and we're expanding our capabilities. But it took us almost a decade of trial and error and working through the system to where we are now, right? It did not happen overnight. And if anyone sits here and says, oh, we grew up rich kids. No, we did not. I'm going to end that debate here and now. I grew up being adopted. So I have made something of myself. If anyone wants to sit there hypothetically and say, oh, they're rich kids, they're this, they're that. No. (laughs) No, next question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you know, for my part, I came from a lower middle class family. Uh, You know, we never went hungry or you know, without housing or something like that, but we had many years that were very lean. I, yes. I told you about the year that we ate pretty much nothing but instant mashed potatoes. So, oh yeah. Yes. If I ever, if I ever hold a political event in your town, we will not be serving instant mashed potatoes. Um, <laughs> they are no. the worst. We will be, we will be serving the real potato. We'll be serving Idaho potatoes. But you like, you like real potatoes, right? Oh. Okay. Oh yeah, just that like mashed potatoes, delicious. Instant mashed potatoes. Why did you scrape off some dead skin off of an old lady's foot and then serve it to me? <laughs> I, I don't want to eat that. Okay. <laughs> now that we got our mm, bunions, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have been through trials and tribulations of terror. I've never gone hungry because I was smart about where I was living and who I was living with. I, I had to be. You had the you have to be smart if you're going to be if you're going to be living on minimum wage. You have Absolutely. to network. You have to find the right people. You have to do all the side hustles and everything. You have to be smart before you become rich. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a combination of several things. Yes. It's a combination of will Yep. You know, any salesperson will tell you that. If, if you go into a sale thinking you won't make the sale, you won't. If you go into the sale thinking you will, then sometimes you won't just for outside circumstances, but most of the time you will get the sale. Yes. So willpower does have something to do with it. It, it, it is not just society beating you down. That is part of it. But Part of it is that will that, you know, I'm going to make my life better. I'm going, I'm to, going to succeed. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to acquire wealth for my family. I'm going to do good in the world. Yes. Uh, through fire and flames, I am going to succeed. The right. wolves are knocking at the door and I will ride them into battle. <laughs> right. And there are other aspects that are important and things that as a country we need to address. So, yes. for example, uh, if I recall the statistics correctly, the average black family has a net worth of zero dollars and the average white family has a net worth of around 100,000. And so what that means is yeah. that is generational wealth. Yes. Because, you know, if, if you're born into a family that has wealth, well, obviously, a small amount of wealth. Obviously, you're going to not only learn from those around, those around you, you're going to learn from. It also depends, also it depends on the types of people that you'll be interacting with. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to people who uh, generally don't have any money, 
they won't have anything. They don't have any money to talk about. Right, and the problems go even deeper than that. Yes. So uh, one of the things that people who do rise above the poverty of their childhood or their young adulthood, yep. you know, let's let's say hypothetically, someone uh, graduates high school, graduates college, goes to medical school, gets a really good paying job as a doctor. Yeah. If they come from a poor family, it doesn't matter. You know, could be middle of Appalachia, uh, could be middle of Louisiana, could be wherever. It doesn't matter. Uh, what often happens is that much of that person's salary goes to helping their family members who are in desperate straits. Yes. And so uh, it, it, the same person uh, born into a middle-class family versus a poor family, they might take another 10 years to build up their wealth because, you know, oh, well, grandma's car broke down and now she can't get to the doctor. Well, uh, you know, I'm the only person in the family with money, so I got to help her out. Exactly. That kind of thing, uh, it, it's 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 like this. Just taking a statistical average. Yep. Uh, a person who is born into some amount of wealth. Again, that not we're not talking one percenters here. We're talking anything less than zero, basically. Uh, yes. A, a person who is born into generational wealth has much more of a safety net for if things go wrong. Yes. So. What can happen is, you know, let's say somebody doesn't have money for healthcare. They are not able to go to the doctor, yep. not able maybe to get a surgery, something that they need. And then 10 years later, it's 10 times expensive to fix it. Yes. So that kind of safety, that kind of security is what all families want and uh -huh. what all families need. And there's just been so many obstacles to people born in the wrong place, born in the wrong city, in the wrong time, whatever. It's, for most people, it's not that they said, ah, oh, yes, I'm going to choose to be poor and addicted to drugs. It's, they were born into a place where that's the norm. If, yes. if, if all of your high school friends were drug addicts, are drug addicts, then chances are that person will be as well. And what people need, and, and this is the part that I think that we can help with the most. Yep knowledge yes because changing generational wealth difficult thing to do not impossible difficult, but difficult. yes uh changing people's uh we'll say grit or will or desire to go out and work 80 hours a week to build a business that kind of thing that is also difficult to get people to change yes uh the, not every person Maybe they have other priorities. Maybe they have a family. Maybe they have to take care of their grandparents. Whatever. You know, there are reasons why people are not as crazy well, as you and I going out and working 80 hours a week doing a business. Oh, only 80 hours a week. That's pretty yeah, generous. Uh, that's a vacation <laughs> week, by the way. Um, yeah. Any, anybody who owns a business can tell you it's a 24-7 endeavor. It really is. Now, and the other thing of, oh, I need, I need to take care of family. Mm -hmm. Well... There are other aspects of taking care of a family as well. One of the biggest aspects is whatever assets the family might have, mm -hmm. educating yourself on how to protect your assets right. is a big part of taking care of your family. Absolutely. If you can take care of them by securing, say, a house, and say they have two houses, sure. rent one of them out, 
Learn how to rent one of them out. Right. Again, generational wealth. We're not talking one percenters. The average, uh, the average family in New England, at the very least, has two houses, has three cars. That's just normal. <laughs> right. And for good reason. That part of the country has been wealthy for 300 years. Yes. Uh, it is a simple fact that there has only been half as much time for St. Louis to accumulate wealth. Yes. That is just a fact. And South Louis is half. There, there's wealth to be had in South Louis, but it's buried under a ton of rubble and nobody <laughs> wants to dig it out. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, the fact, here, here's the thing. The fact, and, and this is something that people on the right of the political spectrum like to bring up, the fact that people can come out of difficult circumstances yes, doesn't mean that we should stop trying to change the average person's circumstances. Because think of it this way. Yeah. If you are trying to learn how to hang glide, yeah. if you start at the top of the mountain with a hang glider, it's going to be a lot easier to learn than if you have to find the money to buy a hang glider and then climb to the top of the mountain. Exactly. I, I want to make it so that every child in America is sitting at the top of the mountain when they're ready to start their career. Yes. And like I said, let's, let's go back to this because this is important. Yep. The thing that you and I have the ability to help people with the most yep. is information. Yes. That uh, applies to information that we know. Yep. You know, uh, we have some experience working in businesses. I have some experience running small businesses, as do you. I do. And in addition, you and I are both very curious people. We yes. enjoy learning new things. That's that's something that I find a great amount of joy in, and I hope that our listeners can as well. Yeah. So we I, I greatly enjoy learning new weird stuff. Every other day, every other day, Neil's like, what are you... I'm not surprised you know that. <laughs> Dan has a very strange patchwork of knowledge. <laughs> if anybody's watched that old show, Dan versus, I love that episode. Dan, Dan, where is Mount, oh, who built Mount, Mush, Mount Rushmore? Who's on Borglum and his son finished it, why? Okay, what state is it in? I don't know, Ecuador or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've had many conversations like that. It's like, wait, <laughs> you know how to do what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but here, here's what I would like for our show to become over time. And, yeah. You know, who knows how long this will take, but we got plenty of time to do it. What I would like it to become over time is a place where people can go and learn the skills that they need to improve their career and to make more money. Yes. Making money, improving your career, working as hard as you can, getting in the fields that is most prosperous to you. Other aspects, other things that I've learned on my journey through life is take the adventurous stuff while you're young enough to endure whatever blows there are. Absolutely. Because 25, 30, you're young enough to absorb a blow of, oh, the moving from Indiana to I don't know, California, Indiana to Russia or something. Indiana, <laughs> Indiana, <laughs> Indiana or Europe somewhere. Mm -hmm. You're sure. young enough to absorb those kinds of woes, but you're going to learn a lot on your journey. Right. You're going to you're going to be introduced to new people, new experiences, 
new whatever. So be be curious about the world. Mm-hmm. If you're in a job right now and if you don't like it, here's the thing: if you don't like it, find a, uh, learn information to improve your situation. And we will go over resume building, and we'll be going over all sorts of different types of topics that、uh, we techniques for job search, techniques for job search, I, I, ideas <laughs> of how to put yourself in the best possible situation. So,、uh, just one simple example. Yep. Did you know that you are more likely to win your court case if you wear glasses versus if you don't? I did not know that specific one, but I did know other aspects of the court case procedure of if you show up early, if you dress well, and if you. Approach the judge and say yes, Your Honor, and treat them with the absolute respect.、Mm-hmm. You are much, much more likely to win over the、uh, Yahoo who comes in wearing sandals, slippers, bunny slippers, sandals and bunny slippers.、I'm、yes. Like, <laughs>、uh, yeah, exactly. And and so this is the type of knowledge that's not difficult to get. If 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 you tell and people do, you know, if they go to career counseling or whatever, but、yeah. you know, maybe you need a refresher. Yeah, if you're going into a job interview, make sure you are well groomed. Yep. Make sure you are wearing your best outfit. Make sure that you、um, project yourself with confidence. Yes. Make sure that you give a nice firm handshake. Look the person in the eye. Thank them for their time. Yep. You know, one of the funniest experiences I had on my job search was、um, I was going in for a surveillance position at a place.、Mm-hmm. They turned me down for the job because it was the weirdest thing. They turned me down because they said something along the lines of. You, you you've done this job before, and you're acting too casual about it. Basically, it was very funny. Well, let, let me help you clarify, because it, it sounds like you、uh, you may not completely understand what happened. So you yeah went in with the confidence of someone who has run businesses before. Yes, and they're not used to that. Yes, so. You went in with the attitude that you would have at an interview to be a manager, and they were not expecting that. Uh huh.、Um, <laughs> so part of this part of the process is knowing what you want. Yep. And working until you get it. Yeah. So because you were not a good fit for that job. Yep. They got you a job that you would be a good fit for. Yes. And, and I am excellent at it. Correct. And because you projected. Your best self during the interview. They were able to see a better job for you. Yes. And there's、uh, there's some free advice for our, for our young listeners who may be looking for jobs.、Uh, the simple fact is, people want to help you with your career. They do. I, I guarantee you. You go into a recruiter, especially at a small business. Yep. You know, not somebody who's paid to you know. Look at resumes for five seconds, but you know somebody who's actually hiring for a position that they care about in their company. Yep. And you go into that place and you present your best self. You say things like,、um, you know, I want to work hard. I want to achieve on this team, and I would love to be the best employee that you've ever had. You say things like that, and they will say, Wow, I want to help this person. I want this person on my team. 
Oh yeah. Uh, and that's how I've gotten every job. It was with that same level of confidence. Absolutely. That same level of, I've got this. Right. You see how it goes, you see how I look. Uh, I've used this line before. It's like, I've used this line in response to uh, part of the job is coming in clean and coming in, you know, well dressed. I'm like, see how I'm dressed right now? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. They were surprised you came in with a briefcase. That was pretty funny. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm like, I've never interviewed anyone with a briefcase before. I'm like, really? Huh. There's a lot of things there's a lot of things in this conversation that I'm gonna flip the script on you with. Exactly. <laughs> and what I what I think is possible yeah? is for there to be a a library of knowledge. Yep that anyone can have access to. Yes. Now, there are some great options out there that people may know about or they may not. Um, A a great example is the Google Certificates Program. Yep. Most of them are free. Some of them are very low cost. Um, Oh, here's an idea for the radio. Here's an idea. Sure. I sign up for, you know, job interviews in different places and just wear a recording microphone. <laughs> okay. And just hear different managers' responses. Okay. And see what kind of questions they ask. Sure. That's a good idea. And then, you know, either I get the job and then I explain to them what I did mm-hmm. or don't get the job. I like it. So, it's kind of like undercover boss, but <laughs> undercover undercover interview. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. There's so many aspects of the interviewing process on so many different levels Mm. that people don't know what to expect most of the time. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, and what I see often is people don't care about it until they need to. Exactly. Like, they go into three interviews and completely bomb, and then they are like, oh, maybe I should learn about this. (laughs) Yeah. Myself... I had a head start in the interviewing process because that's just something that they taught in high school and grade school and whatnot is how to conduct yourself in an interview, what to do, what not to do, how not to look, Mm -hmm. what to wear. Right. Uh, Granted, we were kids at the time, so they didn't say, you know, wear a full business suit, but they said, look nice. Mm -hmm. Don't chew bubble gum. You know, don't look like you... Don't look like you stepped out of a time machine from the 70s, and now you're in 2000. Yo, I got my groovy bell bottoms, yo. Yo, I got my groovy bell bottoms. I got this neon pink hat. I got oh, you know, socks going up my arms because I just walked out of a... So, so, so your version of unprofessional <laughs> is a cat girl. My, my version of unprofessional <laughs> is... You look ridiculous. What are you wearing? Why are you wearing this? What gender? What? Did, where did you come from? That's funny. <laughs> well, and you know, when people wear things that are not professional, oftentimes people just wear like shorts and a t-shirt because that's what they always wear. And it's like, it just take a few minutes to plan out what you're going to wear or 
what you're going to say, or you know, have your resume really nicely formatted. No, yeah. Uh, this 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 one, the I've, the, the puppy, oh, the very funny, oh god, no no no, uh, no. <laughs> very funny resume on Indeed.com. It said, uh, "Job is done. Need job." <laughs> and that's pretty much all it said. It was it was. I, I laughed about it for days. <laughs> well, that's not my. That's not that embarrassing. <laughs> yes, make sure your resume is very professional, like mine. Job is done. Need job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yes, no, no, no capitalization. Need job. Period. Yes. And that was the end of the resume. It was great. Well, audience, <laughs> I have come a long way since then. The resume that we worked on together was a little bit more professional. A little bit. Again, professional resume writer? Mm-hmm. Uh, not professional resume writer. I had done... I, the thing is, don't ask me how I managed to get hired with some of my resumes that I had, but I managed to, even with a poor resume, I managed to find a job that was reasonably acceptable. Right. So your resume not be the best doesn't mean you're a terrible person. No. And there's plenty of places online where you can get free help. Uh, So for example, there's lots of different subreddits about searching for jobs and people are more than happy to do, uh, you know, a look over your resume and make suggestions. Um, Another one that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Did you know that 40 million people in America, or approximately one in three people of working age, yeah. work at a um, an on-demand job, like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I understand why. We were doing that for a little while as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, the excess cash was fantastic. Right. And the thing is, a small amount of knowledge could help these people make a lot more money. A small amount of knowledge. Yes, a small amount of knowledge can help everyone make a bit more money. Yeah. And you'll run, once you start making money on any scale, you're going to scale the people you hang out with with your knowledge of money. I don't hang out. You're never going to catch me hanging out with the local uh, ruff, local ruffians down the street who don't know anything. I'm, I'm not going to associate with them. Mm-hmm. I'll associate with people that have a bit more money, a bit more knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's... It, we don't want to... Uh, we don't want to judge people for being born into circumstances, but... Once somebody is a young adult, you have the ability to choose. Yes. Once you're yeah. a young adult and you have a little bit of knowledge about the world, my recommendation is don't hang out with the guy. Don't don't hang out with the guy that everyone thinks is trouble. Mm-hmm. Go, go find a few of your friends. Right. Well, and just to, to put a more positive spin yes. on what you're saying, uh, many people are more than happy to help you with if you're trying to learn a new skill, 
if you're trying to get a new job, yep. uh, surround yourself with people who have what you want. Yep. Or have knowledge that you want. Yes. It, it is a simple fact that you become more similar to the people that you surround yourself with. Exactly. It, it's one of the reasons why college can be so beneficial is because, unless you go to Ohio State, uh, it's a diss at Ohio State, but um, <laughs> unless you, at, uh, at most colleges, you're surrounded by people who are there to learn. They may like to party on the weekend, but yep. they, the, the, the environment is an environment of learning. The environment yes. is an environment of cooperation and, um, you know, it's no wonder that people who are graduates are able to, uh, you know, at least on average, able to work with their fellows better because yes. you've been in that environment, environment where everyone is working towards the same goal. Uh-huh. Granted, my second job was working at Dunkin' Donuts. Are we allowed to say that on the radio? Okay, whatever. Again, I was working at Dunkin' Donuts. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I had some good times. I had some bad times. I worked with... uh, We were all working towards the same goal of the best. My manager... uh, What was even the manager at the time? My assistant manager was the most motivated motivated and motivating individuals I have ever met. Wow. That's why I stuck around so long, because the management had my loyalty. Right. Not the company. I was working for that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I was working for Mikey. Sure. His name was Mikey at the time. He's in... I think he went back to Jersey. Hey, Mikey, if you ever hear me, uh, call... <laughs> I want to catch up. <laughs> and by the way, that goes for all of our fans. Uh, <laughs> there is contact information on the website. Yep. And we we are open to uh, open to interviewing anyone. We've interviewed people with a billion dollars. We've interviewed people with zero dollars. Oh yeah. Uh, there is a uh, a need in this country for diverse discourse. There really is, and that's the thing. We don't have enough diversity. In our discourse alone, we have people in their echo chambers mm-hmm. and talking among themselves, but that's not diversity. That's. I don't even know what you would call that. That would be appropriate for the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you're talking about. Uh, echo chambers are a good way to put it. Because yeah. um, the simple fact is, people like to have their opinions reinforced. So if you believe that the sky is green and you have a Facebook group where everybody thinks the sky is green, that feels good. It really does. Or you think, or even on the more mundane, of this horseshoe and this horseshoe. They're both horseshoes, but this one's slightly different. Okay. And you wind up with echo chambers of people liking... Basically the same things that are only slightly different, but yet when they then they come together, it's like having a tornado meet a herd of sharks. Uh, let, let me help you simplify your analogy a little bit, because I, I like where you're going with yep. it. It's just too complicated. That's fine. So it's... the uh, 
what you're talking about is a, a separate problem from polarization, but no less serious that we have people who want the same thing. Yes. Have the same goals. Yes. You know, collecting horseshoes, for example. Exactly. And yet we have the left shoeists fighting the right shoeists or what, like, whatever. Exactly. You dang right shoeist. How dare you? Like, exactly. The simple fact is, I, I, I want you to imagine, uh, let, let's say a game of tug of war. Yes. Okay. You have a, a game of tug of war where there are a hundred different people all pulling in a different direction. <laughs> and then you have a hundred other people pulling in the other direction. They still want the same thing. And a tug of war can be applied to literally any scenario, such as Religion, tug of war. Sure. Politics, sure. Tug of war. Conspiracy theories. Theories. Uh, okay. Conspiracy theories. Uh, not so much tug of war. The ropes there, but they're off playing DD. <laughs> and and I would argue to 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 just elaborate on our analogy a little bit. I would argue that rather than. 200 people, 100 on each side, each pulling in a different direction, yep. most of them slapping their neighbor and kicking him in the, in the nuts. Um, I, I would argue that everyone, and I don't just mean Americans, I mean everyone, yep. every person is on the same team against e extinction. Y yes. I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but we can't have, you know, the things that we all love, like freedom and beautiful artwork and music and all of these things that everyone agrees are positive. We can't have those things if we're all dead. Correct. And so what I see is, uh, and let's, let's bring it in with a, uh, an analogy people may be familiar with, which is the story of Game of Thrones. Yep. Uh, George R. R. Martin has said repeatedly that his story is a, a essentially a parable reflecting our modern time, where yes. you have the threat of the White Walkers, the ice zombies. Yep. You have the threat of the ice zombies that could kill everyone. Yes. And yet, all of the characters are quibbling about who's going to sit in the metal chair. Exactly. Uh, it doesn't matter who sits <laughs> in the metal chair if you're all dead. Exactly. It's a very cool metal chair. Uh, true, true. But uh, the the thing that's important is that I see a very strong parallel between these two, because you know there's you know Russia fighting over natural gas reserves. You're, you're, Russia, you you caused over four hundred billion dollars in damage and counting. Last I saw, $400 billion in damage to capture natural gas reserves, which most experts agree natural gas will no longer be a useful source of energy in about 20 years. Uh, yeah. So you're, 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 you're throwing away $400 billion over a resource that, assuming Putin stays in power as long as he wants to, by the end of Putin's time in office, on his deathbed, no countries will be using natural gas anymore. That's really dumb. Well, the, the need for natural gas, I don't think is gonna go away, go away anytime soon. Well, it's not gonna go away completely because there's always gonna be special uses for, such as 
let's say stoves, for example, that it would be difficult to switch to something else. Yep. But in the vast majority of cases, there is an easy alternative. And so um, most of the countries in the EU, for example, have said that around, it, it depends on the country what target that they've set, but around 2045 is generally the accepted time when they've said, we're not going to have any natural gas power plants. We're not going to have any coal burning power plants. Now, well, that's the thing with this climate change policy. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say on it. Let's go. Let's let's do it. Okay. We have 15 minutes, so go ahead. <laughs> uh, the, the, just for the for the viewers, uh, we will be discussing this topic many times. So we get really, comfortable. We really will. But <laughs> to open up my statements on renew renewable resources and renewable energy mm-hmm. at the moment. The country does not have the capabilities to produce enough solar panels for the entirety of the United States. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to revolutionize the entire globe around renewable resources. Right. Um, has anyone taken a step back and asked what are the logistics involved to make that happen in these time frames? Unfortunately for humanity itself. Uh, most of these targets are set without any kind of plan of how to get there. Uh, their assumption is the next administration will figure mm-hmm. it out. Uh, I have a question. Um, California, question. What were you thinking, Benny? What were you thinking in putting a policy in place that had the potential of removing 10% of your entire logistics infrastructure away from your state what were you thinking if anyone from california can tell the glorious people of america we will be happy to have you here because quite frankly if we lose 10 percent from one state how much percentage would we lose across the entirety of the united states of america Let's give some context to what you're saying. Yes. My understanding is that you're talking about them banning diesel trucks. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, good. You didn't mention that, so that's important context. It really is, but I'm applying this to 10% of any piece of critical infrastructure of logistics or critical logistics infrastructure. 10% of how effective do you think the U.S. military would be if we took away 10% of their logistics structure overnight it would cause unparalleled levels of chaos correct and the simple fact is that it's using a hammer using using a sledgehammer when a scalpel is necessary yes and the simple fact is there are not people currently in power who have the sophisticated technical knowledge to use a scalpel on these issues we need America and world. We need to come together on these situations. Yes. We need experts in literally every single aspect of humanity itself to right. figure out how we are going to survive. Because, quite frankly, a pandemic near wipes out most of the global supply chain which is disrupts the entire world the supply chain the world and what you guys produce and what everyone produces whatever product that may be you might be a security guard you might be 
uh, barista, you might be working in a restaurant somewhere. Those are all key aspects of society and how society functions. So, notice that most of his examples have to do with food. <laughs> That's fine. Security guards get food. Police officers get food. Police officers can only be as effective as the training as they've been given. And if they're not given the sufficient training in X, Y, and Z, then they're going to make the wrong call. Absolutely. And that wrong call could be detrimental. A wrong call of that magnitude is detrimental for everyone involved. Right. So we entrust that these police officers and these officers of the law are acting with the best possible knowledge, the best possible skills. That's why the sheriff of every town is usually someone that... Why is the sheriff of every single Western movie smart, well-educated, righteous, and willing to do the right thing? That is an excellent question. What has happened to this country when we are no longer allowed, when we're no longer taught what the right thing is? Mm. And where those central values lie with the people, right? What is going on in this country? Have we all lost our common sense? Or have we had the common sense robbed from us because no, no longer individuals are encouraged to learn what is wrong from an early age and learn what is right as you mature through life. And it is a simple fact that is completely undisputed. Like that there, there is, it, it is indisputable fact yeah. that uh, what has happened, especially over the past 15 years, is uh, Russia has attempted to destabilize democracies using, uh, using in particular attacks in the digital sphere. Yes. So things like misinformation, disinformation, uh, fake news. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not no. even talking about any of that. Let me finish. Yeah. Hold on. Now, unfortunately for us, uh, other people saw what was going on and noticed that it got lots of clicks and engagement and therefore money, and decided to copy it. Yes. So part of the issue of why there is not a current consensus on these issues is. We're talking about very difficult problems. Yes. And a significant percentage of the voter base, as much as 50%, has ideas that are just simply incorrect. And they are being pushed, these ideas, by the tech companies. Yep. Being pushed, these ideas, by, in some cases, malicious actors from other countries. And these uh, these ideas make it even more difficult to come to a consensus. Because, as an example, uh, you know, one of the examples that I like to go back to is Social Security. It was somewhat controversial at the time, uh, yep. not not anywhere near what we would have today. But um, the simple fact is that the people of the time took a look at how there were millions of seniors in poverty, and they said, well, how do we fix this problem? What if we just dump a giant dump truck full of money on top of the problem? Yes. And that was a very effective <laughs> solution to that problem. Well, we buckets of money. It seems to be the American way of dealing with any problem. So why don't we just take buckets of money, take the American citizens, and dump it on the American citizens, as opposed to governments. Now, getting back to the police and why sure. 
getting back to the police and why they are underfunded, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, just because the police force has an armored tank or something, it doesn't mean that the police force is rich. It means that the police force is going through grant programs to obtain training, armor, whatever they may need. Uh, Again, they typically, a lot of these grants usually take years to get in some cases, but it also depends on the severity and a likelihood of violence in your community. Now, this is one of my favorite things uh, about my co-host is that he is excellent at getting into the details, but it is important, especially when you're talking about this big of an issue. Yeah. It's important to talk about the big picture yes. and the small picture. Yes. So we've, we've now got the trees. Yep. Now let me talk about the forest. Okay? Got it. All right. So, um, obviously policing is a very contentious issue right now. Yes. And, uh, as I've said to our viewers, it is important to me to listen to what people have to say. I am sure that my opinion about policing is going to evolve as we go through the campaign. Yes. Because I'll be talking to the people. I'll be talking to people who have had bad experiences with police. I'll be talking to police officers. I'll be talking to people who have good experiences. You know, I'm going to try to get a full picture on the show so that people can make up their own mind. Yeah, same here. But, um... The way that I see it, it is a multifold problem. On the one hand, uh, the way that I see it, it's a multifold problem. On the one hand, you have people acting in bad faith. You have uh, you know police officers abusing their power, police officers who didn't go through enough training, people police officers who didn't pay very much attention to the training that they did get. Yes, it is unfortunate that you know we have people in such high positions of power. You know, you're, you're talking about a person who has the explicit permission to use a firearm, and they typically have around six months of education to do that. Yeah. So you're telling me you're telling me it takes two years to become a person who cuts people's hair, and it takes six months to get to decide. If people live or die. Um, or maybe we should fix that. Or alternatively, you can go through, what's it? Four, year, four years of college, plus your doctorate, plus your master's degree, plus whatever other degrees you want to go with it to perform surgery. Well, in general, uh, surgeons are much more highly paid and uh, much more skilled than police officers. But uh, I make this very unique perspective because the very least the police officer should have four years of training sure that's a good example four years of training but the the police officer's numbers will be decreased well here's how you fix that anyone uh four years of training but how would they do it well, let me, let me give you some examples. Yeah. Okay? So one of the issues that is happening right now across the country, this was a big part of the protests in 2020, yep. is that oftentimes police are required by law in many cases 
to respond to scenarios where they do not have training or they have very minimal training. Yes. So, for example, they probably covered, I, I don't know the ins and outs of police academies, but I, I assume they cover the aspect of you know going and um, helping someone who is about to commit suicide. Yes. I assume they cover it. But even if they covered that every day for six months, that would not make you an expert grief counselor. That would not make you an expert suicide counselor. It would not. Most counselors like that go through years of training. Correct. And so, They're usually licensed therapists. Right. And so I think that um, an option for middle ground, you know, yeah. again, I want to talk to the experts to understand what the best options are. But uh, an option for middle ground is take extra time and then take time uh, for frequent refresher courses yep. of how to deal with a person in distress, how to deal with a person who is suicidal, who is homicidal. Uh, you know, th there is no reason that we should have, you know, police officers going and literally shooting people while they're asleep. That, I, I'm sorry, that's not okay. <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of um, debates and there's a lot of specifics that are involved and I don't, I don't want to minimize that. It, it, is, it is a fact that it is a complex issue. It really is a very complex issue. But we can all agree <laughs> that, uh, that if we are going to continue to have a system of police like we have, yep. that the people who are doing that job need to be exceptionally well-trained Yes. And they need to be able to earn the respect of the people that they serve. Yes. Uh, I've been trying to figure out how to, uh, how to approach this part of the subject because it is very controversial, but it is a fact that policing work is made more dangerous, both for the police officer and for the citizen by this division between people and the police. It, it really is. And it's really sad to see. But, oh, like we were alluding to earlier, a year's worth of training could be quite beneficial. It's not exactly truck driving. Being a police officer is not the same thing as being a truck driver. <laughs> you can get a truck driving degree and be good for the entire country on six months of training. That seems realistic. Right. Well, you're dealing with a truck, which, you know, doesn't have nearly as many emotions as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, we greatly appreciate you stopping by. Uh, make sure to check out our new website, fox2028.com, and uh, we hope that you will vote for us in 2028. Sounds like fun. Stay tuned. See you next time, guys.